0: Listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Every single one of us is likely feeling pretty frightened and a little confused about the coronavirus and the way it is upending our lives. But for some of us here in Southeast Michigan, there's a real financial concern layered on top of all of that. For those who are unemployed or even part of the gig economy, if you're a member of the service industry or self-employed, there are really big questions looming right now about how to make ends meet when we're being told, for the most part, not to even leave our homes. United Way for Southeast Michigan has partnered with some of the leading organizations in our region to try to meet the needs of vulnerable families and individuals right now. The group's CEO, Dr. Darian Hudson, joins us now to talk about this effort. And if you have an idea or have already found a way to help those in your own community during this time, please give us a call and tell us about it. Dr. Darian Hudson, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Thank you for having me, Stephen. How are you today? I'm
0: good. How are you?
1: Uh, we're managing. We're managing and uh, trying to make sure we're doing our part uh, to help everyone in our community who needs assistance at this time.
0: Yeah. So, so I want to start with uh, the news this morning, which I think really points up the the difficulties that we are experiencing now and are about to. You have this uh, driver shortage at D Dot, uh, the the bus service here in the city. 100,000 people a day depend on DDOT to get where they need to go. Most of them, or many of them at least, are uh, poor people here in the city. Uh, This is just the beginning, I feel, of the kinds of real challenges that are going to be really disruptive to to, to poor people's lives here uh, in southeast Michigan. Uh, Talk about what you guys are seeing at uh, the United Way so far.
1: Sure. So, uh, one, I want to stress that these are issues that at this point are affecting all of us. Um, there are four million people in the region that we serve. Um, and typically, we've been focused on what we would call um, our, our population that's working uh, but still struggling to meet their basic needs, which is about 44% um, of the folks in our region. And so we're working across multiple agencies, whether it's the school districts, other nonprofits, we're really focused on access to food and food distribution. Uh, it's interesting, you talked about transportation. That's actually one of the biggest challenges is getting the food once it's packed to the most vulnerable populations. Uh, we're also... Uh, paying uh, close attention to what's happening in our shelters that serve the homeless, uh, that serve domestic violence victims uh, because they're currently overrun and need quite a bit of support in managing the spread of the virus. A number of our nonprofits that serve our community on a day-to-day basis uh, are really struggling right now because they're having to close. Uh, they're canceling all of their events, their fundraisers, and so that's creating a gap in service for so many communities in need. And the school districts, and I want to applaud them. As a former superintendent and a teacher and DPS, I really want to applaud the school districts uh, for setting up breakfast and lunch across our region, but dinner still remains a problem. Uh, We're still concerned about child care. Uh, If you look on Facebook, I'm sure you've seen families um, of of, from every demographic struggling to figure out what they're going to do with their young people. And while we do have uh, plenty of virtual learning opportunities. Um, If you could look to um, Southfield Public Schools, they've sent out Chromebooks and things of that nature. Detroit Public School Community District is passing out uh, some packets uh, that they're going to be distributing to families. Um, Connectivity is still a problem. Um, Access to quality information and the devices is actually a problem. Mm. Um, Two other things I just wanted to lift, um, isolation of our seniors, uh, senior population, uh, and making sure that they're still getting to their appointments, that they're still um, having their needs met, whether it's food, uh, whether it's it's, um, getting to uh, the doctors and getting the care that they need. And also, uh, we have two different programs that are really top of mind for me right now uh, that may not have cost associated, but it's the time sensitivity. One, the free tax preparation uh, that's happening across the region. That actually generated $19 million back to our community last year. Mm. Uh, And so people aren't able to get their taxes done um, and get those earned income tax credits. It's really going to hurt them. And then the census, Uh, it's right around, census day is April 1st. And all of the um, ideas that we had um, for this were really face-to-face and large gatherings. And so now we have to think differently.
0: Hmm. Um, Talk about what you guys are doing there at the United Way, at your offices. Uh, How are you dealing with the need for safety, food safety, or handling safety, health concerns in your office? I mean, all of these things or as you point out, are affecting us all, and I'm really curious how everybody is adapting.
1: Uh, yes, so I want to make sure I understand your question. Are you speaking specifically about our office, or what sure. we're doing to serve the community? No, no.
0: Yeah, no. I, I, right now I want. I'm a little curious about what's going on in your office. <laughs>
1: Okay. Uh, so, actually, uh, last week, uh, we put together a plan to stagger our staff, what we would call an A-B schedule. So, only um, half of our staff would be in the building at one time, um, but at this point, uh, we're actually transitioning. This is our last day in the office. Uh, we're transitioning to full remote work. Um, our staff have um, telephones. They have um, Laptops. Uh, in some instances, we've actually transitioned desktops mm. uh, to people's homes so we can continue to serve the community. Um, but what, what we think of it as our doors might be closed, but our office is still open.
0: Mm. Um, and talk about the specific sort of vulnerable populations that you're hearing from right now and and, and what you're hearing about how things are affecting them so far. We're very early in all of this and things are I think we all anticipate that they're gonna get worse but what are you hearing from people today about what what they need
1: So some of it is information. I would say that's at the top of the list, understanding uh, what the virus is, what are those symptoms and what they need to do. Um, our 2-1-1 uh, calls have definitely skyrocketed and 2-1-1 is our information and referral service. We still have um, many people, especially our hourly employees now um, with the bars and restaurants closing, a number of businesses um, having to close temporarily who have just those basic needs. Where can I find food? How do I pay my utilities? How can I make sure um, that I'm able to, to still keep my home? And so um, those needs have not changed. Uh, we've heard quite a bit uh, from the school districts, especially around connectivity, uh, not only uh, hotspots, but even devices. And I would say from the nonprofits um, who really have a collective voice, um, because it is early, there there is still quite a bit happening on the ground for us to mobilize and be prepared for when people really start running out um, of food in their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people you know that last little bit that was saved, they hit the end of that. Uh, so much of this is um, you know trying to get dollars out of the door to help our community, and the other part of it is, two or three weeks from now, if we're still shut down, what happens then?
0: Yeah. Are are we prepared here in southeast Michigan for the sort of potential prolonged need that is going to crop up? Uh, Is philanthropy ready? Is the social safety net, social services in, in good enough shape to deal with something like this?
1: So much of this is unprecedented, but I am proud to say um, that, that as a United Way and as philanthropic partners, we are coming together uh, to start our community response uh, fund for COVID-19. It actually started over the weekend. Uh, we're partnering with the Skillman Foundation, uh, with DTE Foundation, with Quicken Loans with the Gilbert Family Foundation, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and the Community Foundation of Southeastern Michigan, and Ford Community Fund. And essentially we've raised over three and a half million dollars, um, and this is designed to get dollars in the hands of our agencies that are on the front lines, especially our, uh, food distributors, um, but also, um, working with, um, agencies that can help get dollars into our families' hands, uh, who need to, um, address utility, uh, pay for their bills, mm-hmm. um, and also, Um, be able to find food. So um, in terms of prepared, no, we haven't been prepared for this, but we have a plan. We're moving forward, and um, we're definitely going to make sure that um, every person who contacts us, every person um, who's asking for help knows where to go. Uh, We have a number of different agencies that are connected, the the city governments, elected officials, the health departments, uh, the nonprofits. We're serving as that anchor. Uh, to bring them together and to make sure that resources um, are getting out of the door, but I'm sure you've talked with a number of different agencies. Everyone is on Zoom or Microsoft Teams, trying to work together to make sure every plan we can think of, um, every issue that we can think of has been has been addressed. Hmm.
0: Uh, This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Dr. Darian Hudson, the CEO of United Way for Southeastern Michigan. Uh, We're talking about what is on tap for philanthropy, for the social safety net, for social services, as things start to unravel uh, as the coronavirus pandemic uh, unfolds all around us. Uh, We're talking about the financial concerns that people might have, particularly uh, people in the lower income brackets, uh, the, the poor people in our communities, uh, what will they need and who will make sure that they get those things uh, as things start to, to maybe get worse uh, with the coronavirus. Uh, if you want to give us a call and join the conversation, give us a call and say, uh, tell us how you or members of your community are stepping up to try to help those who need it during the coronavirus outbreak? Do you have an idea to help people? Or are you personally struggling with some aspect of this crisis, financially or otherwise, and could use support? Call and tell us about what you're going through and the ways you and your community are stepping up. Uh, I should also mention that we are partnering here at WDET with Outlier Media to get better information to Detroiters about what is going on and what is available. You can let us know what info you need to get through this difficult time. Uh, it's a very quick survey that's available, uh, and all you have to do to take that is to text to 73224-Corona. Cro- that's our keyword, corona. Uh, to 73224, uh, and we can get in touch with uh, vital information that you'll need. If you want to join the conversation here, though, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. 577 You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and Twitter and put comments there. We'll try to work them into the conversation. Let's go to Scott in Westland. Scott, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Uh, hello. Um, I wanted to comment that I think the news media – uh, should spend more time um, explaining the potential lethality of the coronavirus. Um, I was reading an article uh, in, in the National Review on the internet from a few days ago, and they used uh, you know a, 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 the example where they said comparing you know the coronavirus to the flu, that if forty thousand forty million people in the United States get the flu and there's a lethality rate of point one percent, that's forty thousand deaths. Hmm. That if uh, 40 million people get the coronavirus, and the lethality rate is 1%, that's 400,000.
0: 400,000, sure. And,
2: okay, that, that put it into perspective for me, because I was, you know, from watching the news media, you know, beginning to worry about a law of diminishing returns, you know, the rule of first to do no harm, that most of the disaster so far has been man-made. The uh, stock market was down 12% yesterday. I don't know where it is today, hmm. you know, but... You know I was you know concerned that the economic strife that's being caused by these quarantine measures you know could event possibly you know cause more deaths than the the disease itself but now I've read that you know article from the national review you know okay you know you were talking about a potential four hundred five hundred thousand deaths that that you know makes it clear for me you know that you know these uh drastic you know measures that people are taking are are actually necessary. You know, to avoid uh, you know uh, yeah. an even greater disaster. Yeah. So that that's what I would say is that. Uh, and again, I hate to mention the, uh, his name, but you know, the National Review article was a response to comments made by who else, Rush Limbaugh. Hmm. You know, who was basically saying that you know that he saw a lot of diminishing returns there. That you know that the, the idea that maybe some of these you know uh, measures that are being taken are too drastic and might be causing more harm then good. But again, now now that I've heard that, you know, that that at a lethality rate of 1%, 1%, and just for example, uh, in the 2018-2019 year, according to the National Review article, 37,000 people, 37 million people got the flu Mm -hmm. uh, in in the 2018-2019 flu season. So that 40 million figure, you know, is, you know, generally in the ballpark. There was a lethality rate of 1%. Right. Uh, that would be, it would be, it would be a lot of
0: people. Yeah. Scott, I, I really appreciate the call and and your perspective here. I mean, I, th- I do think there is still this this issue of how seriously some people are taking this and and what they're willing to do, what they're maybe willing to sacrifice uh, at this time. And and we are trying really hard here at WDET to make sure that we're giving people good information, the right information about taking care of themselves and taking care of Their communities, so I I really do appreciate that call, Scott. Okay, Dr. Darian Hudson, CEO of United Way for Southeast Michigan, was great to have you with us here on Detroit today. All right, coming up, Detroit poet Jessica Caramore has a new book out, and a series of events that she had this week to promote it were canceled, but of course. She is now taking them to social media to hold her own digital event. She's going to join me to talk about that all next. Stay with us on Detroit today.